1: Peter's amazing. Jesus loves Peter. Jesus has so much grace for Peter. But this is like, out of the 12 disciples, this is the one that's like a little unpredictable. Like he, he says some things that you're like, whoa, you said that and you did that. And then in, thinks about it later. He he's, he's a little erratic. He chops the guy's ear off trying to defend Jesus. He denies Jesus. Jesus gives him multiple opportunities to come back. He always comes back. He always does the right thing in the end. And after all, he is the rock that Jesus builds his church upon. So there's some pretty awesome things about Peter. It's just you're a little nervous for a minute. Like you're just going, I'm a little nervous. God bless Pastor Juergen and Leanne's heart as my husband's pastor. You're a gift from God. Matthew means gift from God. My husband is a gift from God. But it is funny we were watching what's that show called? I was The Chosen. We were watching The Chosen and I was We were watching it together. I'm like, "You are so much like Peter." <laughs> He's like, "I know." So, it's pretty cool. But But I love Peter. So so I think maybe that's why the Lord chose to spoke to me in this passage of scripture, because I really have an affinity towards Peter. I'm fascinated by it. But what happens in this regular encounter with Jesus, we hear of Jesus doing miracles, saving people, getting people healed, getting leprosy cast off, healing all over the place. And I would consider this miracle as amazing, a miracle of provision, and we all love miracles of provision. Um, but I would I would consider if you're just reading it without actually looking into it, um, that it, it's more of a regular encounter with Jesus. So they're by the lake, they're hanging out, they're fishing, they do what they, they always do. They do this for an occupation. And some random guy rolls up in their mind, some random guy rolls up and everyone's listening. Everyone's amazed. Everyone's like, teach me. They wanna hear everything. But as you can see, what happens very quickly is that things start to change from a regular encounter to a poignant encounter, to a, an encounter that changes everything and actually changes the trajectory of not only Peter's life, but the people that were there. And so we're gonna go straight into it with point number one is deep. Deep. So as we read here um, in the beginning in, in verse four, it says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. I don't know if you guys grew up with swimming pools at all. Okay, yeah, if you grew up with a swimming pool, you'll know this. So I grew up with 12, I was one of 12 grand, grandchildren, grew up in Texas, and it's super hot during the summer in Texas. It's like unbearable. And so my grandparents had a pool, and we would always go there. We spent hundreds of days throughout the year at the swimming pool. But how many of you know in the swimming pool, there's usually a shallow end, and there's a deep end? And when you're little, and according to your capabilities for swimming and your age and things, you usually aren't going to go in the deep end unless you're really skilled. And if your parents are responsible, they won't let you go in the deep end. But there comes a time where you're good, you've gotten better and you can swim and you can actually save your own life in in the case of an emergency. And then you get to start swimming in the deep end. But once you're in the deep end, it's like the only thing that's cool to do. Like once you swim in the deep end as a kid, you're going doing flips off the diving board, doing all the things, doing all the tricks, having backflip competitions with your cousins, at least I was. But the only place was to be in the deep. If you're in the shallow, you're like, uh-uh, that's, I'm too good for that now. I'm not going to go in the shallow. But here you see what Peter does. So everyone's listening. Everyone's listening from the boat, from the seashore. They're in the shallow. And what I want to tell you today is if the full culmination of your Christian faith is based off what's preached from a stage, from a seashore, what words are said from this pulpit, you are going to be so limited on what God can do in your life. Because he wants you to be in the deep. The miracle actually happens when Simon goes to the deep. Goes to the deep with Jesus. So many, there's a depth to our relationship with Christ that he wants us to have. And if we're unwilling, if we only want to stay in the shallow because it's comfortable. If we only want to stay in the shallow because there's always someone watching us to take care of us. If we only want to stay in the shallow where we know we can do everything ourselves and never go into the deep then you're going to put a capacity on what God can do in your life. Amen? There's a reason why at the end of every message at our services, we have our ministry team come forward. Because that's the moment where if God has spoken to you while someone's preaching, and we have incredible preachers, we have guest pastors that come in, and it's amazing, so I'm not trying to diminish the power of that but your life will be transformed, your life will be altered when you make the decision to come down, get prayer, and get your life altered. Every every moment where i I faced with God, where I'm like, I do not know what to do about this. I had so many challenges when our little maverick was a toddler, and his name, he, he does hold true to his name oftentimes, but he's a maverick for Jesus. I had so many challenges. I literally, and I'm the pastor of San Marcos campus, and I had to put my booty right up here on the altar. And I needed to ask Jen Shippa, I need you to pray for me. I don't know what to do with this kid. Oh, my gosh. Like, I'm at my wit's end. I am not who I want to be, like, as a mother to this child. You need to help me. <laughs> and I remember, I remember from that moment forward, I literally walked over to Kids Church. And I told Maverick, Maverick, I am so sorry. I'm going to be a different parent. And he, he was young. I think he was, like, six I don't think he understood what I was saying. <laughs> but for me, I knew I had to do that. And I knew I needed to change my tactics with him. And things have been so much better. Things, things changed for the better. Things were altered because I came down to the altar. And every year, I mean, every year, my vision card, deeper relationship with God. Okay, sounds awesome, right? Like this deep relationship with God sounds super awesome. But little did I know that the way I'd get a deeper relationship with God this year, 2023, was through trials, was through tribulation, was through stress, was through bad conversations that I didn't like. Well, good conversations that made me feel bad that I didn't like. Through a lot of circumstances and situations happening to us. And I, what I didn't realize in the middle of it, now looking back a little bit and reflecting, is how much deeper I've gotten in a relationship with God because it was the only place I knew where to go. The only place I knew to go, when every other human seemed, even including my husband, it was like, yes, my husband can bring some peace, but the only peace I could actually get was when I went to God, when I got a word from God, when I was like, am I even supposed to be doing this, God? Is this even where, did I make a mistake? The only person who could answer with full confidence and give me complete peace was our heavenly father. So God... One way or the other, God wants to have a deeper relationship with you. The word intimacy comes from the Latin word intimus, which means inmost. And if you look at Proverbs 20, 27, it says this, the human spirit is the lamp of the Lord that sheds light on one's inmost being. See, God wants us to have an intimate relationship with him. When you don't know who to talk to, where to go, what to say, that's when you go to God and you, you say, I just want to have a conversation with you, God. And you can say, I'm so mad at you, God. Did you know that God has a big enough self-confidence? You know, he's not going to be like, what, you're mad at me? What can I do to make it all better? Your best friend might do that. But God, God's confidence will not be wavered if you say, God, I'm mad at you, I need help with this. Amen. So let's make it a goal this next year together as a church to go deeper with God, go deeper with our Heavenly Father. Point number two, if we're going to go deeper with God, we've got to learn to trust God. Trust. Trust is number two. Here's what happens in the story with Simon. Simon answered when after Jesus is like, you got to go in the deep. He says, this is how he responds. So humanly, Simon answered, master, We've worked all night and haven't caught anything. Uh, How dare you tell me to do that? We've worked all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let the nets down. Simon has a moment where he's like, I can see with my circumstances. I can see with my eyes. I can hear with my ears. I know what I've been through. I'm exhausted. I've been doing this. I've been praying for five years. This was me oftentimes, and we went through five years of trying to get pregnant, and God would remind me on the weekly, on the daily to be praying for that, and and a natural humanly response is, I've already done that. I've been doing that. I've been there. I've done that. But what is God asking you to do again? Go out into the deep. And you know what's so interesting is that the miracle happens in the deep. The miracle happens in the deep. It actually didn't happen in the shallow area. And so when we trust God, go into the deep, the miraculous can happen. When God says to do something, do we do it? Do we act? Did you know faith without works is dead? So if we exercise our faith, exercise our faith, I have so much faith for this, and do nothing, then how can God move? And when God speaks, I have to often remind myself that God is always right. Did you know God's always right? Right. I know that you think you're right. I know that you have every, you know, defense in, in your favor against what God is saying. But God is always right. When my husband and I first started going um, in faith to purchase the home that we have now, we've lived in for three years. So praise God. That is an incredible God story. But there, I can't tell you that I didn't react how Simon did. I can't tell you that I didn't question. I can't tell you that I immediately said, oh, yeah, God, let's do this. My husband and I had to conjure up the faith to even activate to go see the home. When we got to see the home, that was a miracle within itself. And then once it started to become a possibility in our minds that we could actually purchase this home, there was a battle that we had to go through. There were moments where I had to be like, are you sure that this is God? Like, are you sure that we... Heard from God, babe? Did like, really? Are you sure? And and then he'd be like, "Hmm, yeah, I think, yeah, I think we're good." And then I'd have to go back to God. Are you sure? And one day, I finally called Pastor Leanne. I'm like, Pastor Leanne, this is so stressful. I don't even know if I can do this. this I don't even know if this is worth it. Like all this stress. Six months to buy a house, people. Like, since when does it take six months to buy a house? Like, this should have been done. If this is a miracle from God, she have been done so much faster than this. <laughs> Six months later, so in the middle of it, up and down, roller coaster, it's happening, it's not happening. God, where are you? What the heck? We're being stretched to our max capacity of faith in every area, financially, everything. I'm giving offerings that's breaking the bank just to see like a breakthrough without my husband knowing. And I'm like, I had to do an offering, babe. And he's like, okay, we're supposed to use that money for the down payment. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> However, This conversation with Pastor Leanne, she said, well, what did God say? I'm like, well, you're right, but why does it have to be that simple? (laughs) God is always right. If I hadn't battled to have babies and and children and be fruitful and multiply, there were so many times where I was like, well, maybe we're just not supposed to. Like, we actually had conversations about adopting, like real conversations I knew something in my spirit was like adoption could be the thing, but I really feel like we're going to have our own babies. And I had to fight because God told me that. God told me you're going to have your own kids. And not to say that we'll never adopt, but in that season, in that time, I had to tell my husband, I know God said, we're going to have kids. We're going to have kids of our genes. And then maybe someday we'll have other kids. Maybe that's how you can have a fourth kid. (laughs) Wow. Amazing. So So as we go into Let's look at December this way. So this is how my husband and I look at the end of the year. We don't look at it as, as a, a season is closing. We actually start to look into our our year and what God wants to do in the first quarter of next year. Like we're fully present in all the amazing Christmassy things. Like we do all of it. We do we do all the Christmassy things. We come to Twisted. We go tonight of Christmas. We decorate our house. We We indulge in Christmas in all the right ways. But we're actually thinking in the back of our minds, what's going to happen next year? Where are we going to be at next year? What, what are we going to be doing this time next year? What is God going to be doing in our life next year? And so we're going to have a Vision Sunday. And and what I we want to happen before then is for you to already have an idea. If you were here last year for Vision Sunday, pull that vision card out. Because what happens is, God will speak to you in an environment of faith. And so you will have written things down. And and don't feel bad if you pull your vision card out from last year. And if something hasn't happened, don't cross it off like that wasn't God's will. It's too easy just to be like, oh, that's too hard. That's not God's will. No, I would actually challenge you to look at that thing and say, well, what has God taught me in order to make me be a better person to receive what God has next year for my next vision card? I put having babies on my vision card every single year. Didn't happen till fifth year. I realized if God made me a mom after two years, bad news, bad day for those kids. But God had to do something in me so that I could be the parent that he's called me to be. And so year five, I was ready. God's like, all right, you're ready now. (laughs) Scratch that off your vision card. Maybe this year we'll have to put like this adoption thing or something. I don't know. I'm throwing out some big words. But the question is, what did God say? And if something feels hard, it's probably God. A lot of people think that everything from God comes easy. The word says that with God, all things are possible, but it doesn't say with God, all things are easy. So there's things. Trust is hard. I'm telling you, trust, just like faith, it's a muscle. Trust is hard, but once you do it, you see the fruit of it, and it becomes easier and easier to trust, amen? Amen. All right, point number three. So what happens in verse seven? After they um, went out, put in a deep water, let down the nets, Simon was obedient, this is what happens. They signaled their partner's in the other boat to come and help them and they came and filled and sorry yeah and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink so when you go into the deep with God you trust him then what happens is there's your buddies over there with another boat so when God starts to bless you Left and right, look to your left, look to your right. Who can you bless? Who can you share it with? Who can you go, okay, I was obedient, I was faithful, I trusted God, who can I be a witness to? Who do you have in your world that you can bless with the blessing that God's given you, amen? That's why I love women's prayer. We In men's prayer, we share God's stories every single meeting. Because it's by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We must always keep the word of God, the testimonies that God's doing, on the tip of our tongue. Because we want to share those things. Because we want to see the fruition of God's faithfulness in the people's lives around us. And what Simon did not do is go, okay, God, thanks for blessing me. Now I'm just going to take all these fish to myself. No, he immediately told his buddies, I need help with this blessing. <laughs> this bless- This miracle is making me sink. I need your help. I'm gonna pull you in. God bless my husband and I with this amazing home. We don't sit there in our house and just sit there and stare at each other. Like it's hard to have a family night without inviting people over. I'm like, now you're family too. You're coming over too. It, you know, it's hard. <laughs> I think last night was like one of the only nights this month that we'll be home by ourselves. You know, like we, sh- we share the blessing that God has given us and God has called us to be a blessing when he shows up and brings a miracle to our lives. Can we share it not only with our words and telling the story, but the physical things that God has blessed us with? I feel so blessed that I get to pray for women who have been trying to get pregnant now. I've been able to use my own testimony to minister to other women. Let's not hold on to what God's blessed us with only to ourselves. Let's share it with the people around us. Simon's so generous like you, babe. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Number three is going to come from verse seven, and it says this. Oh, I'm sorry. That was number three. Goodbye, number three. Um, Number four, moving on. In verse eight, it says this. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. What is our response as we're blessed? As we're blessed to be a blessing, do we have the kind of humility that can realize this this is not something I did with my own strength? This is a blessing from the Lord. How oftentimes we get blessed and we forget to go, Oh my gosh, thank you, God. Like, thank you, God. This is so much more than I deserve. Simon Peter is so in awe of what God just did, he can't even, like, be in the presence of Jesus. It's, he says, go away from me, Lord. And this is a type of humility that, that is going to bring the blessing in the heart of God. Because at that moment, Jesus is like, you can be my disciple. Because I just saw the, the kind of humility that I can work with if we want to be disciples of Jesus, there's a level of humility that even sometimes in the presence of God, it's like it takes us out, it takes us to a place like, wow, God, how did I even get this? And it, even in my own life, like if I would have tried to work my own life out by my own strength, like there wouldn't be any of this, <laughs> trust me. Like it, it would be dysfunctional. It would be a mess. Like I, w- I wouldn't even be married. So let's just like the basic things. Like there would be no, probably to, due to my own strength, Nothing good. And thank God, like literally thank God that he intervened in my life. And this year, I want it to be a challenge for not only myself, but our entire church to think about God in this way. Like, wow, God, I am so thankful that you've blessed me with this type of church, with this type of community, with these type of friends. Like the things that some of us pray for sometimes, and then God blesses us with it. And then we find ourselves complaining about it later. I'm like, and and I can't say I haven't done it myself. I'm like, I prayed for these three miracle children, and now you are, like, driving me nuts. So, but thankfulness, humility, thank God for what he's done and what he's doing. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So we're all going to mess up. Like everyone who's a human, at some point, I promise you, you'll mess up because you're not perfect because the only perfect human was Jesus Christ. And it's our job to be humble, to, to realize what have I done? What do I need to ask for forgiveness for? And what do I need to come to Jesus with? And a lot of us get caught up in not wanting to even admit to ourselves the things that we need to bring to Jesus. And I love the heart of Simon. He's, he's, he basically, out loud... He didn't even do it in his heart. He literally makes a public statement. I am a sinful man. And we all have been in that place where we realize, wow, I am a sinful person. But the beautiful thing is, is Jesus is still there. Jesus is like, yep, and I'm going to use you because of your humility. Amen. All right. Moving on to number five. And this is, what story? He wants me to tell a story. I don't know which story. Which one? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> now I know you. Yes, I was humbled this week. I'm usually humbled every week. But this week, this is what happened. You guys, if you were fly on our walls, you would laugh every day. So I'm getting the kids ready for school. And my husband starts to like... Not feel good, which was the food poisoning or whatever that he was talking about. And he starts to not feel good and he said something, and I got super triggered by it. And because the the tone that he changed his tone a little bit, like we're just having a conversation, and he's like on that side of the kitchen and I'm facing this way and I'm doing something. And he said, he like raised his tone a little bit, and I turned around and I go, Don't yell at me in front of the kids. (laughs) I know, I know. Funny, not funny. And thank God, like, the level of time, the amount of time that it takes me to get convicted has gotten really short now. So, um, that's not a miracle. It's called a relationship with Jesus that's gotten much stronger. <laughs> so, literally within, he, he leaves, he walks out the door. He's speechless. He walks out the door. <laughs> and my little one, Merrick, he's like, Mom, did Dad just leave? I'm like, Yeah, I think so. And so... Um, I, I voice memoed him, so there's actually no living proof, because who the heck knows where voice memos go after you listen or send them. But it started with, "I am sorry for yelling at you in front of the kids, about yelling in front of the kids."." <laughs> and um, I don't know if he ever got it because he didn't acknowledge my apology. Oh oh, he just got it, and it was amazing. So I was humbled. But I I am making it a goal this year, really, and this is honest, I'm not, no joking set aside, I am making it a goal this year to be the first one to apologize when necessary. And so I would love for you all to join me. It's going to be really fun. I need support here. This is what community is for. (laughs) Hold each other accountable. Um, So yeah, that's the story. (sighs) Okay. Very humble. Humble pie. Humble pie is the best pie. Number five, fearless. Moving on. Jesus says to Simon, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And I have to tell you, there, there's so much study, books, everything, messages around the topic of fear. And I came into our church, probably one of the most scared girls you would have ever, like you, you probably wouldn't recognize me at this, this point. Um, I was afraid of everything. everything I'm doing now. At one point, I did it shaking in my boots. Like I would run out to the bathroom during the prayer time. I didn't want to talk to people. Pastor Mark and Summer asked me to check people in at DNA. I didn't want to do that. I was afraid. But what I did, and every time I was faced with fear, I said yes. I did it anyways. And only because I know that God had called me to it. God had said. What did God say? And so when you're faced with fear because you will be, at, some, at one point or another in your life, you will be. And I remember as a girl writing in my, in my um, high school years when they would ask, like, what are your characteristics about yourself? Whatever I would put, I'm shy. And looking back now, I'm like, I know that was just all rooted in fear. Like it's all just rooted in some trauma along the way. But what I want to focus on today is this, is what, are, what traumas are you allowing to cause drama in your life? There are certain things that, that we have to look back on that makes us operate a certain way. So I, if I was operating out of a place of fear, I then had to go beneath the surface and see why, why is this coming up for me? What trauma have I not dealt with that's making me to feel this way? Why am I trying to impress people? Well, it's probably because I had an upbringing where I wanted to impress my dad all the time because I was taught that I had to do all these things and be perfect, and so all this tracing back has gotten me to a place where every single time something comes up for me, I just go, okay, where's that coming from? And so if we can be people that ask where, where, what traumas do we need to deal with? As we go into the next year, what things happen that you might have been trying to diminish or think's not a big deal? You know, uh, about five years ago, I got in a car accident and I hurt my neck because I got pretty bad whiplash. Not convenient. Um, my husband's a chiropractor. And so I'm like, all right, I have your, I'm your biggest problem patient. Now you have to fix my neck. Um, but I went through like a few years with my neck being really hurt. And my husband kept saying like, to the point where I couldn't work out, I had to, like, people would go, did you hurt your neck again? And I would literally sleep. They're like, what did you do? I'm like, I don't know. I slept last night and I woke up and I can't move my neck. And my husband kept saying, well, you need to strengthen your back. You need to strengthen this. You need to do other things. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to get massages and get adjusted. It's going to get better. (laughs) Until this year, he was right. Until this year, I went to my trainer and I told her, I'm like, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to work out with you because I'm probably going to hurt my neck and my neck is really sensitive. And this has just been my cycle. And I realized I never dealt with the root of the problem. And so she had me start doing all these exercises that in my limited capacity of health and fitness brain that I'm like, no, Annie, it's not my back. I said, it's my neck. And she's like, no, you have to strengthen your back. You have to do these row things. And I'm like, no, I don't. That's not going to fix my neck. See, see I'm going to get a massage. It's going to feel better. And then I'm going to sleep better. I'm going to get a different pillow. And I'm going to make my husband buy a $10,000 mattress off JD. And then I'm going to do this. <laughs> And Annie's like, okay, well, here we are. Nine months later, my neck is freaking awesome, but it's because I worked the right things around that, I, that needed to be worked out. And so if you have a trauma in your life that, you, that you've gone around and around and around trying to fix yourself, then maybe it's your faith muscle that needs to be strengthened. Maybe it's your hope muscle that needs to be strengthened. Maybe it's your vulnerability muscle that needs to be strengthened. Maybe there's other things that are you're needing to press into in order to get to the root of the trauma. Because if you don't, I promise you, your trauma will become your drama. And you'll bring it into every relationship that you have. Every relationship that God is so kind to bless you with. Every open door that God's so amazing to open for you, you will ruin because of your own tr- drama around your trauma that you Neglected. Amen. And there was one point in my life where as soon as I started to have kids, the Lord like literally rebuked me and was like, if you don't deal with this, your kids are gonna have to deal with it. And I'm like, shoot. And it was it was the emotional ups and downs, the highs, the lows, the outbursts of anger at my kids. And I and I didn't I didn't know what to do. Like, I was, like, yelling at my kids, and my husband didn't come from a family that yelled at their kid, at at them. And so it was normal for me. So I'm like, well, how else am I supposed to get him to listen? And he's like, there's other ways. (laughs) Maybe just go talk to Dr. Brian. But he was was right, because he came from the right way. He came from a family that, that still was very disciplined and still disciplined, but didn't use that way of discipline which is not the right way. And I'm not saying I'm perfect now, but there came a point where even after one of these episodes when my kids were much smaller, and lo- the Lord's like, if you don't deal with that, your kids are going to have to deal with it. And, and there's a phrase that says, what walks in fathers runs in children. And it's a biblical principle. If we don't deal with the things that, that we need to deal with and get them right and healthy, then our children will have to deal with it. And we don't want that. We want to be the curse breakers. See, I had to, if I'm going to be a curse breaker and be prophesied that I'm a curse breaker, then I have to do the things to make sure that I'm breaking that curse. Amen? All right. Number six is sold out. In verse 11, it says, "...so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him." Now to paint the picture, here here's Simon and his buddies. And this is this is what they know. This is what they do. This is the the things that they have are the key to their provision. Like this is their safety, this is their comfort, they are fishermen. And so this is what they do. But there was a regular encounter with Jesus that became a powerful encounter with Jesus that made them leave everything they knew. Every tool they had to succeed, and they left it. And they left it in a moment because of what they experienced with Jesus that day. And so what I'm not saying is you receive Jesus and then you go out there and become like a super spirit weirdo, because that's not helpful for anyone either. But there, the Bible is very clear, and I'm going to read to you exactly what it says on the things that we should leave behind and the things that we should pick up and take with us. And I love this, this picture because Simon is like blown away. He's, he's blessed. He receives Jesus. And then he follows Jesus. So he doesn't just take his blessing and go, thanks God, see you later. No, he actually repays the blessing by leaving his boat. He left his boat and went with Jesus. And oftentimes I hear, you know, people will say, You know, we don't serve in church because we feel like it's going to take away from our family or we don't want to do this because, you know, our family will suffer. And I just, I want to paint the picture of how that cannot be, shouldn't be the case. My husband and I have been in our church. Before we were pastors, we were not pastors. Before we were pastors, I was decorating the bathrooms. Before we were pastors, my husband was in the parking lot, parking cars because they didn't know where else to put him. And... (laughs) listen, in all the right ways, before we had to be here, we were here. Like before we were pastoring the church as, as the pastors that like, we should be here for pastoring our church. We were here. We were service leaders at the 830 volunteers all our whole life, you know? So, but from the moment when we got married, we decided that being in church was going to be a value of ours, was going to be a priority of ours. It was going to be the top priority of the week is to make sure we're in church. And so, we, we did that, and then when we had kids, it was easy to say, hey, kids, we're a family that makes Sunday church a priority, and, and now our kids are dragging us to church sometimes. Like, on a Wednesday night, I'm like, I'm so tired, and my daughter's like, mom, come on, I'm on kids' worship. We got to go. I'm like, wow, isn't that amazing? We've made this a value in our home and a priority and our kids understand and they're a part of it. And And that's what you can do. You can make church be a part of your family, include your kids, bring them along with you. You can serve together. If you have little ones and you just don't wanna be parted ways with with your newborn baby, then, then you can go serve in kids' church and be with your kids. But- But teaching that example from the get-go has served my husband and I so well. And I'm telling you, we wouldn't have the hand of God or the fruit in our life as we have now if we hadn't made that decision. So I'm going to have everybody stand to your feet as I close out by reading this incredible scripture. And as I read this, I want you to think about your own life. And think about what things you want to leave behind in 2024 that might be hindering you from following Jesus on the level that you should be. I want you to think about the things that you need to put into your life, pick up and put into your life that will help you in following Jesus and having a deeper relationship with Jesus, in turn, having deeper relationships with the people around you, in turn, having the fruit and the miracles in your life that God intends and wants you to have. And so I'm gonna read this, and if you all just wanna bow your heads and close your eyes and think of your life, think of yourself. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer tithing but you must work doing something useful with their own hands and they may have something to share with those in need. I love this because even as Pastor Jurgen shared last Sunday, it's so important what we believe, what we think, and what we say. And here in this, what stands out to me most, it's like capture the attitude of your mind, capture your emotions, capture what you say, and it ends with have forgiveness in your heart. I don't think there's a more beautiful picture of what sold out to Jesus looks like. It's not like you leave sell your home, leave San Diego and move to Mexico and witness people on the beach. That's definitely not the version I'm picking up from, from when Simon left and followed Jesus. There are things that we must pick up and take with us. And there's things that we must leave in 2023 so that God can do what he wants to do in 2024. Amen. Amen. If everyone can close your eyes and bow your head one more time as I pray for those people that have never surrendered their life to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is in this room and the Holy Spirit's already been talking to several several of you about your commitment to the Lord, about your conviction to follow Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I wanna give you that opportunity this morning. And I'm just gonna pray right now and then we're gonna all pray together. Father God, I thank you for every person in this place that's felt a nudge from you. I thank you, God, that your spirit is moving on our behalf, God. That if there's anyone here that needs to repent and turn towards you, Jesus, that you would give them peace right now. I thank you, Lord, that you would help them to know the love of our Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, that they would feel your love right now, that even as we're all sinners, that there's people in this place that have never asked for your forgiveness I thank you Lord that you would nudge their hearts this morning I thank you Lord for what you're doing that you have already forgiven us and as we raise our hands and surrender to you that is a sign that we are committed to following you although never perfect but our best effort to follow you right now if that's you in this place if you can just lift your hand as a sign that you are surrendering to Jesus that you are asking for forgiveness and that you are ready to follow him I thank you. Thank you, Lord. I thank you. I see your hands up there. I see a couple hands. Anyone else need to raise their hand? Nobody's watching. Beautiful couple. I see your hands both raised. That's a power couple for the kingdom. Thank you, Lord. I see some hands over here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your presence. Anyone else as I close the service? Thank you, God. Come on. Can everyone repeat this prayer? We had about five hands that were lifted, a beautiful couple that lifted their hands together. There's a party in heaven and I'm sure at Awaken, there's a party happening somewhere that you can join. But let's repeat this prayer after me. Father God, I thank you for my salvation. I admit to my sins. I pray for forgiveness for my sins. I commit my heart to you. I receive you into my heart, Jesus. And I thank You that the rest of my life will be the best of my life. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages